BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Threepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hogshaven Podcast, powered by SB Nation. You can find us at Hogshaven.com, at Hogshaven on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Moe. Jamal Forrest, you can find me on Twitter at Let Maul Tell It. Do not forget the you. On the show today, you know what time it is. We are previewing Washington's Week 12 matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. Mark Bullock is on the show today. Uh, and if you all know Mark, uh, you know what type of time he's on. But if you don't know Mark, very good film analyst, uh, is able to dive into the film in, in detail and able to express what he's saying from a, a schematic standpoint and from a player evaluation standpoint. So it was good to have Mark back on the show and, and chop it up about all things commanders. Um, and that's where 98% of our conversation <laughs> is on this episode, uh, stemming from Mark Bullock and myself uh, talking about, about this team uh, and a slight preview uh, and, and prediction of the Washington commanders matchup in the Atlanta Falcons. Um, with all that being said, uh, I'll be quick on the front end. I do think this is a game that Washington will win. Um, I can see this uh, looking like a 21 to 17 type of game. Uh, something where it's short because I don't like for, for all this worth this season, Washington has struggled to put up 20 plus points on offense. You know, a lot of people are going to mention, well, they just put up 23 against the Texans. Uh, don't forget that one of those scores was a pick six. 
Um, so you really, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a, a, a hard to come by type of thing with this offense throughout the course of the season. So um, all that being said, I do think Washington's defense is going to be able to keep this Atlanta Falcons offense in check. Just speaking from a macro standpoint um, with Kyle Pitts being out, uh, their run game is always dynamic um, and they may be able to get uh, some success on the ground game uh, to what degree. I don't know, but uh, they're going to find a way to uh, get that ball moving on the ground. Um, But would it ultimately lead to points? I don't think so. I don't think that, um, I think that this defense has really had, for the most part, Washington's defense has really had a good uh, season in terms of tackling. Uh, there's been one game in particular that was bad, or two games in particular that was bad, Detroit uh, and Chicago. But for the most part, they've been sound in terms of at the point of contact, making plays and things like that. And, and I really trust this defense uh, to hold a Mariota-led uh, Atlanta Falcons offense to under 20 points and uh, having them a good, really, a really good chance to win this football game. So uh, that's good. Um, another update, Chase Young, um, as far as I know right now, we don't know how much he's playing, if he's playing at all on Sunday. Uh, so be on the lookout for that as we're recording. Um, there may be an update to that. So uh, no predictions in terms of or expectations in terms of, um, you know, his performance on Sunday will leave that um, blank and, and left to left to be filled. <laughs> um, another thing is Dax Mill popped up on the injury report. And for all that works, it means, you know, we have to take into consideration that there may be a new punt returner this week. Um, and I personally believe that it should be Jahan Dotson. Uh, you're talking about a receiver, a first round pick who, since he's gotten back off this injury, um, has had two games with Taylor Heineke and that chemistry may be building some who knows, but ultimately three targets in his two games has been concerning for me. Um, not necessarily because Jahan Dotson is still like, he's still the same receiver he was when Carson Wentz was here. Um, and, and so the lack of targets does not mean he's not getting open, um, but he's not getting those opportunities. Uh, obviously Terry is the number one receiver, so you can't really criticize from that standpoint, but do understand that um, if you want Jahan Dotson to be a more imp- impactful player for your offense and for your team, special teams is the route to do it. Um, get him back there on punt returns. If Dax Mill is unavailable. Um, I'm personally, <laughs> I'm personally done with Dax Mill as a returner, but you know, I'm not uh, a person making decisions for the team. Um, so this is a good opportunity for exposure for another player. And I hope that it's Jahan Dotson, um, moving forward. So we will see. That's it for me. Um, that is a wrap. Uh, I will go ahead and kick it to the conversation between Mark and myself. Um, again, I think that Washington finds a way to improve to uh, seven and five after this week, man. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you all stuffed your face with the turkey, um, or oxtail like I did yesterday. Uh, whatever it is that you had on your plate, hope you had some good sides as well, some mac and cheese, some candy yams. Uh, hope you had some decent dessert. You know, I had all that, and that's why I'm about to go to the trainer as soon as I'm done recording. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I hope you all enjoyed yourself and had a good time with whoever it is that you were able to spend it with. Uh, but yeah, with that being said, take care, enjoy y'all weekend. Uh, we'll be back post game, man. Stay safe, peace. Joining us right now is the good man, Mark Bullock. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Mark Bullock NFL. Check out his Substack, uh, markbullock.substack.com. Mark, I appreciate you joining me today. Uh, and I think the last time we talked, 
Uh, if I can remember right, you know, it's, I don't think it's even difficult. Like the last time we talked, Washington wasn't doing good. <laughs> I think that's the <laughs> safest way to say it. Washington wasn't doing good. Um, there was some issues on both sides of the football at that point. Um, there was several leaks uh, and chinks in the armor. Uh, and we didn't know kind of the direction in which this team was headed. I personally have told people, um, and I said this on our on my Wednesday's podcast, I have told people like this team was just straight up ass. Like it, they weren't good. Um, and um, I've I've changed my tune, but I'm gonna give the floor to you. Uh, where do you think are some key turnarounds? I won't put a specific number on it. Whatever pops up in your head, but what has been some of the key turnarounds? for this team to, to put them back in playoff contention and to get them above 500 uh, at this point in the season. Yeah. So I think the, the main one has been that the coverage has found a kind of set group of guys that they're comfortable with. Um, and then that's obviously St. Juiced on the outside instead of William Jackson. And then you have the three safeties with their various roles and, and sometimes McCain's in the slot, sometimes curls in the slot and sometimes Forrest is over a tight end. Sometimes he's back deep and, However, they figure those three guys out. It's been those three plus Fuller and St. Juiced on the outside. And, and having a settled back five or secondary is is really helped them kind of get on the same page and, and be able to uh, do the coverage concepts that they want to do with um, all the kind of match quarter stuff that they like to run. Um, that's been That's been the biggest sort of thing for the turnaround is that the defense has been able to the coverage has been able to last long enough to let that pass rush get home. And, and, and in recent weeks, it's even been able to hold up even longer and, and give the pass rush extra time to get home. And then the defensive line has been playing pretty well all year, I thought. And, and Jerome Payne has stepped up. Jonathan Allen has been fantastic. Montez Sweat is benefiting from the kind of the stuff that they're doing inside and the stunts that are running. Um, so and you've seen the backup guys emerge from that as well. Um, F.A. Obado has stepped up, I thought. Um, and Casey Tuhill has a role, um, not necessarily as a pass rusher, but um, certainly a role as a, as a run defender and a guy that can drop off into coverage and, and run some stunts and that kind of thing. So they, they've kind of found, finally found kind of a settled group on defense that they can rely on. And and, and that has really allowed their, their defense to take a step forward and, and that has been able to keep the offense in the game. And then, you know, Taylor Heineke has his moments of madness and moments of magic <laughs> and uh, the, the moments of magic have been just about enough to, um, to see them through on this, on this win streak. So those have been the, the, the keys for me. Yeah. I really like that you, you shed light just on the back end, like the, the first part. Um, I, I think, Obviously, the the transition started with Cam Curl because he was he was the one who had missed some time early on, and um, like that very next game or the very first game that he was available, you saw somewhat of a difference because uh, I think he came back against Philly, and you saw how they played uh, in that first quarter, and you're thinking like based on how this defense was the first two first two games, okay, um, it's a whole new defense. Either they they came to play against Philly, or it was really just a uh, a person that that helped stabilize the the secondary to some point, and as weeks move along, you you actually you absolutely see how they're communicating better. Ultimately, when you know William Jackson comes out, that that takes some time, but you're seeing that they're communicating better. You're seeing that they're passing off uh, crossers a little bit better, um, and, and and everybody is is finding their role. And, and I think Mark, um, when you mentioned Benjamin St. Juice, right? I, I have said 
And I want to get your take on, on just Ben and his development this, this year. I say like the, the best mistake that Washington made was starting him in the slot. Like they, they knew that he can play the slot. They felt that he can play the slot. Um, and he played really well, but I think ultimately when William Jackson misses that one game against Philadelphia and they put him outside, they realize, okay, he's definitely really good outside to the point where we can move on from William, but he's also good enough to the point where we can allow him to move around however we see fit because he can play inside and out. Um, what, what do you think about Benjamin St. Juice in his year two uh, and just the, the role that he's uh, developed uh, for, for Washington and being in a role that they can trust him to move around? Yeah, I think St. Juice is an interesting one for me because I personally I'm not necessarily as high on him as everyone else, not right now anyway. I see there's obviously potential there. Like the guy with that length and the 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 feet that he has at that size is is obviously a very good potential player. Um, I, I think I still see uh, when he's up at the line of scrimmage and he's allowed to just press guys and he uses his length and he jams them at the line of scrimmage and um, and he can just press and trail. I, I think he's really really good. Um, I, I think when he has to play off and with a little bit more vision. Um, He's still lacking a little bit there, and and that was something that I I felt was the same in college. Um, that sometimes he got caught between kind of receivers and being like, should I be sinking back with that guy? Should I be coming forward to this guy? And kind of just being in between and not really covering anyone. Um, and there's still moments like that for me with him. Um, but he is certainly improving. Um, and and moving him back outside has allowed him to kind of pick that up a little bit better. Um, because it's it's a little bit clearer what the reads are when you're outside rather than inside um so i I think there is um some real good development from him and certainly these last few weeks as you said when he's been able to follow receivers i I thought he did a really good job on justin jefferson and um even though jefferson still had 100 yards they i thought saint juice gave him a real good battle and and a couple of those catches were just a case of some slightly poor eye discipline where he usually it's a weird thing because usually he's very good at knowing when he's in phase and out of phase and, and how the technique changes when he's in phase and out of phase and um, when he's out of phase he's not meant to turn his head for the ball he's meant to play the receiver's hands and and break up the ball that way um, and when he's in phase then he's safe to turn and look for the ball and try to make a play on the ball um, and against Jefferson he kind of forgot that a little bit which is odd mm-hmm. because it's something he's been really good at um and, and there was times when like the touchdown to jefferson he turned back to look for the ball and he hadn't he didn't really have the route secure and he lost track of both jefferson and where the ball was and that gave up the touchdown and there was a couple of, of examples of that in that game and and so i i think once he kind of gets that down a little bit better and as i say it's something that he's typically very good at um, I, I think there is a real good potential for a real good corner there and, and certainly a, a building block for the defense. But I think I'm just, I'm not pushing the the gas pedal down on him saying he's going to be the greatest yet because he's, yeah. he's still got a little bit of development to go. But I, I really yeah. like where he, where he could be. And, and I think that's uh, an important thing when you do evaluations is understanding like, you know, you can see the good and you can see the good in players and, um, ultimately you do know that they're going to need some time. And I, I think that's good. And I also think in, in that same vein, um, when you transition to the safety play, uh, like these coaches, again, 
Like I, I've been saying it since I, I heard the words from from Ron and, and how he's been impressed with Jack Del Rio. Uh, but he mentioned Del Rio is, is trusting these younger guys, and um, you know he found a he found a place for Bobby McCain to flourish. Um, ultimately being in the slot role, sometimes the Buffalo nickel. Um, and then you see uh, who's replacing Bobby McCain, and you have Derek Forrest up top uh, as that single high, sometimes too high with uh, whoever they want to do, uh, Bobby McCain, Cam Curl, however they see fit. But ultimately, point is, Derek Forrest is now single high or or your or your post eighth, and you have Bobby McCain down in the slot. Um, from what you've seen over the past couple of weeks, uh, it, what what has been some of the benefits to, to having this new look in the secondary from that perspective? Uh, and how how that contributed to the communication and just playing better, or just even having uh, uh, some routes, some deeper routes taken uh, off the board because of a person like Derek Forrest who who loves to run to the football and make plays. Yeah, it's um it's been really good to see that um, the development of Derek Forrest, especially given you know coming out, everyone just said he's a special teams player, and and it, it was like oh he's not going to be anything, but a year later he's now a, a pretty key part of that defense um and, and yeah his his athleticism um and his range from the from deep safety spot when they want to play single high um he can cover a lot of ground um and, and we saw that on the the interception last week where he made up a, a fair bit of ground um rotating back deep from the far hash you know he he had a lot of ground to make up and and granted it, he was helped by you know saint juice making the, yep. the deflection and, and gave him a little bit extra time but there was still a hell of a lot of ground for a safety to make, and, and he did. So that's a clear benefit. Um, I, I think the other benefit that they have is because of the versatility of all those guys. You know, as you said, McCain can play deep. He can play in the slot. Cam Crowell can play just about anywhere. He can play deep in the slot, over the tight ends, linebacker, basically anywhere that you want him to. Um, it gives them a lot of versatility to run some of the same coverages that they want to. Um, and just mix up who goes where, and and they can trust Carl in the post. They can trust McCain in the post. Um, they can trust either guy working in the flat if they want to do. Um, they haven't done it quite so much lately, but um, earlier in the season they were doing a lot of fire zones or zone blitzes, and um, which is for those that don't know, it's a five man rush with three deep and three under um, zones, and typically it will be like one of those safeties will play the the post in the deep middle and the other two safeties will play the flat. But because of those guys have been so versatile and how they can move around and, and line up in different spots and cover different guys, they've been able to, they could mix those up and, and have McCain playing deep and curl and, and Forrest in the flats one play and then rotate those guys around the next play. And it gives the def- the offense a completely different look, but the defense is still, you know, sound and, and secure in, in what they're doing. So um, that that trio of, of safeties and finding their, their kind of roles um, and and being able to use that versatility that they have has been uh, an essential part of the, the turnaround of this defense. Yeah, and um, one more thing before we go to that other side of the football. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Another thing you mentioned is the fact that because the coverage has gotten stronger, Washington has been put in positions where uh, the defensive line has more time to get to the quarterback. Um, granted, uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen are the two that that are winning at a, a very quick rate at times, <laughs> uh, disrupting plays before you can even get started, which is a, a blessing to a secondary. Uh, this defensive line, um, whether it's through their stunts, um, whether it's playing stunts or or just instinctive stunts, playing off with one another, um, 
I don't even know. Like, so, so here's what here's what. Let me outline my 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 conundrum in my head, and, and it, it may be the case that I'm thinking too much, right, Mark? But I can't quantify the impact Coach Z has had on this pass rush unit and defensive line versus the issues that um, Sam Mills presented to this defense. I can't quantify it. I, I don't know exactly what has been what has been taught, but like you just see how good they have been playing this year. Um, was this because of the coaching? Like this is this is my still my conundrum, not the question yet. But this is like, is it because of coaching um and, and strictly coaching alone? Or do these guys understand the big picture now and understand that you know if I just do my job and we play together, at some point we are all going to eat. We are all going to make plays at the quarterback. We are all going to make plays at the line of scrimmage or make some TFLs. Uh, so long as I trust my teammates beside me and I do my job uh, and, and we'll find a way to win. Um, I, I like the way they're playing. I love the way that they're playing and, and, and following up off one another and making sure that these rush lanes are closed. Just as, excuse me, the, the, the pass, the pass lanes um, and, and the pocket are closed just as quickly as they open on the, on those stunts or anything like that. I, I, I love what they're doing, but that's the conundrum in my head. I can't quantify like the difference that, that, that has come about, but I love how they're playing and I love how everybody is, is finding ways to eat uh, while doing their job and understanding what their role is on this team. Yeah. I, I think it would be kind of impossible to quantify without being in the building and, and knowing what exactly they were being coached for and what they're being coached now. Um, for me, I, I would guess um, obviously the coaching is going to play a part in it and, and there's a reason that Ron Rivera, who is typically a very loyal guy to his staff. Um, there's a, a reason why he would fire a coach before the start of the season. Um, so, the coaching certainly plays a part of it, but I think ultimately it comes down to when we saw them at the start of last year, they were just almost overconfident in that they had four first-round picks on that defensive line, and, and we just let them line up and run, and they'll they'll figure it out. They'll beat their guys, but you know, pass protection doesn't work like that, and they can they can scheme up ways to block guys and get guys help and. And if you're just rushing uncoordinated, then you're just going to end up with two guys in the same gap and, and no pressure on the quarterback, which is what they had at the start of last year. And I think we saw them start to buy into like, okay, actually we need to run a few stunts here and there and, and, and that will help open things up for the teammate and, and rushing a little bit less selflessly and, and um, a little, sorry, a little bit more selflessly and, and, and working for each other rather than just going for individual kind of, I'm going to win my matchup. And obviously there is still some of that. Like if, if Jonathan Allen thinks I can beat this left guard like he did last week, then yeah. he will go and beat the left guard. And and, and that's that's great. Um, but they're still rushing for each other and they're still running a lot, a lot of these stunts and, and it's far more coordinated. Um, and you see the guys buying in strongly to that. And, and you can see they can realize that success that they can have working together when it's, when it's four first round picks individually against an offensive line, Yes, guys can win their own individual reps, but the offensive line can scheme up protection schemes to block them. When it's four first-round picks working together to beat an offensive line and their protection schemes, then that becomes very, very hard for an offensive lines to pick up. And that is what, obviously, they're down a first-round pick right now. Hopefully, Chase Young comes back and is healthy yeah. and, and can get back to you know the talent that he has. But um, even without him that's what they've seen this year. That's why they've been so successful this, this year and so dominant 
is because they've all been buying in. They've all realized if we work as a team, the talent that the likes of Payne and Allen and Sweat have, and and even some of those backup guys, and um, you know, Ridgeway's shown some nice plays, and Obada's shown some nice plays, and um, even James Smith Williams off the other edge, like they they've all contributed, and they're all working together. And so it's rather than four individuals, it's it's one rushing unit, and that is very very hard for an offensive line to block. Who do you think has been like the biggest beneficiary? Just um, we all we know the top three dogs, and and it, the answer could be one of those three. But who do you think, in your opinion, has been the biggest beneficiary of the 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 way that they've been playing this year? Uh, what's your opinion on that? I I think probably Montez Sweat would be the biggest beneficiary. Um, I, I think. He's someone that he frustrates me a little bit because the potential of him is so high with his athletic ability and um, and the way he clearly works very hard and and when he's not rushing the passer when it's you know there's a bubble screen he'll go and run it down if there's a um, if there's a Man, tight end screen, motor is unbelievable yeah and you know he he does all the right things when it's a run play he will blow up the edge and and make runs cut back inside to the other guys and he does a really good job with everything but this pass rush just isn't quite consistent enough for me um but when he's able to stunt inside yeah and you know have jonathan allen taking up both a guard and a tackle then if the center's not sliding across he's coming free and he is coming hot and so he's um i think he's probably the biggest beneficiary of it and if they can add chase young back and and he's you know, really threatening off the other edge and, and the lines having to slide to chase young, then that's even going to make things even better for, for sweat. I think. Matt, Mark, I, I, I love that you added uh, what you added towards the end. Um, Cause I, I'm with you on sweat and, and I'm with you on the fact that um, I had this like idea in my head and I, and it's crazy cause I changed my tone for the better in terms of perspective, but I had this idea in my head, like I'm seeing these pressures that Montez sweat is creating, but like, there are certain times where I see him go up against a talent level that's equal to him or a little bit or perceived a little bit better. And he's not winning in in one-on-one situations. So I'm like, this is throughout the course of the season. So I'm like, I don't look, I understand he's getting these pressure numbers, but I'm not too sure that he's like Jonathan Allen, this thing and or, or Deron Payne in this thing in in terms of winning his one-on-ones, but he is having success on, on the line games and and the fact that they can use his athleticism in, in the back, the fact that he can, close the, the the space between him and the quarterback just so instantly um is it's what's making him stand out in that way so uh, i'm really glad that you said that because there's uh there's nuance to how people create pressure and, and how these pressure numbers stack up um and, and he's doing a really good job right now within the, the actual structure of, of what they want to get done so i'm really glad that you brought that up um offensively man i, I think that's the the biggest issue here and and uh i guess we can start with taylor but i also think that the way that they're playing right now um it's not too uncommon throughout the throughout the league at this point like this this actual season in terms of like the the ball control trying to establish a ground game and things like that uh but i also think that uh, washington is in trouble not because of what they're doing but because um like the third downs are a problem um, I think that the red zone is a problem. Um, no matter these is despite who's that quarterback, but even if you take into account Carson Wentz or, or Taylor Heineke, uh, I, I don't think that this is un, I mean sustainable because of the quarterbacks that you have. 
um, is not like a, a top tier quarterback that's within the structure of this offense. You have somebody, uh, with, whether it's Wentz or you have Heineke, you have somebody that is flawed in, in terms of how they play the game. And, and sometimes those mistakes are just uh, high variance and, and, and volatile. You don't know when it's coming. <laughs> so that's kind of where I'm at, Mark. Uh, if you want to start on Taylor or the offense, either way, wherever way you want to take it, that's fine. But I, I, I like what they're doing. I'm just, I'm just concerned that um, you're gonna, we're gonna find out the hard way when you run into a particular team. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I can certainly see that. Um, Heineke is such a weird kind of almost a case study in in NFL quarterbacking because clearly the team gives that little bit extra for him. Clearly they love him, and you can see like. They make plays for him, like Terry McLaurin's making outrageous catches every week, and yes. Curtis Samuel is getting an extra few yards on every pass every week. And um, you know, it, clearly there's something to who he is that gets the team going. But at the same time, he does significantly hold them back <laughs> um, as a passer, and that that's maybe a little bit harsh on him for the last week because I thought he made some nice throws last week um, under pressure, but it, in general, generally speaking, yeah, he, he misses uh, a fair few throws and he can be miss uh, poor accuracy and, and miss throws, just basic throws. Um, he can be high and behind kind of like how we saw with, with Wentz. Um, but he can also, you know, under throw those deep balls or, um, doesn't have the arm to drive it like the the interception against the the was it the Vikings where he's trying to hit that whole shot against cover two to McLaurin yeah, yeah. um and no that was the, just to Logan I think the one to in the Minnesota game um it might not have been the Vikings game it might have been the one either way we, I, yeah I was yeah saying, it, it ain't too unfamiliar <laughs> yeah no the the trying to hit the whole shot you need to uh-huh. be able to drive that ball between the, the corner and the safety and he just doesn't have that ability to drive that ball and so he he floated it up there and the, the safety basically walks over and casually was I like think yeah he I'll missed just... that opportunity against uh houston I, I i don't know if he saw it or not but i but i know you saw the offensive side of the film like early in the, the first quarter or maybe like early second um he had that corner route to Jahan dotson uh and yep. he was facing that cover too and and, and Either either he saw it and said, you know what, I ain't gonna take my chance, or he just <laughs> he just said, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even, I'm not even looking that way. I'm gonna look for something else. But yeah, he had an opportunity in Houston and he he turned it down. Yeah, and that and that's the thing where it can because of his arm strength and because he hasn't been able to drive that ball before, it, it then it then makes it a lose lose situation for him because if he tries to make that throw and he doesn't drive the ball and he gets interception uh, an interception, then obviously that's bad. But if he then Ops against making that throw when the receiver is open and there is a window, then it's also a bad result because you know the play design is meant to go there and the receiver is open and he's not able to hit that. So it's kind of a lose lose situation for him. So it, it it's tough on him, but at the same time, you know it's an NFL quarterback. It's is the it is the hardest job in certainly in the NFL and in probably in most sports. So um, you know it comes with that kind of level of criticism. Um, so. Yeah, it, he. It, it's a very, very weird case study because <laughs> they they clearly play better. The team plays better for him, but he still at the same time holds them back with his play at times. Um, unless it's the fourth quarter in a two minute drill, and then for some reason he becomes Tom Brady. Um, and, and Tom Brady. Oh <laughs> it's incredible. weird. Um, but you know, yeah, it, it's it's weird. But um, on terms in terms of the the offensive sustainability, I think. You made a good point that 
this style of play is quite hard to sustain. Um, and obviously, it's kind of the the way a lot of head coaches see it. If they don't have a, a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen type quarterback, a, a guy that they can lean on to make plays out of structure and what have you, um, you try to play that ball control game where you trust your defense, you control time of possessions, you have a good punter that can pin them deep and make them drive the length of the field. And um, essentially, that Eagles game. Um, and that's very hard to sustain because you have to have all 11 players making every play perfectly each time. And and that can even just lead to a three yard gain each time. As we saw against the Eagles, they didn't average a ton, but yep. they had successful runs every time they kept ahead of the chains. They didn't have hardly any penalties, so they didn't get backed up. Um, and that's a hard thing to do consistently on a play to play basis. So um the fact that they've been able to do it quite well in the last few weeks has been surprising. And um, obviously long may it continue because in theory, yes, that is a very tough way to, it's a tough way to win, but it's a, it's a tough thing to counter if, if you're able to have those guys be successful consistently, but it's a very hard thing to sustain. So um, that that's where the, the chiefs and the the bills of the world can just go well we can't play that style but we do have a quarterback that can you know scramble around for 20 seconds and and launch the ball 60 yards downfield when out of structure and and win your games that way so um yeah it's it it's the the ongoing search for a quarterback that can let them play in a, a little bit more explosive way is um kind of the story of washington for the last 20 years i guess yes a, a very long time um but but i think into your into what you're saying like and, and for me to clarify i think it's like dallas um philadelphia obviously and in san francisco are the the teams that pop up in my head in the nfc when and all of them well not philly but the dallas and, and san francisco are still on the schedule um and, and i think that's kind of where my concerns are because i don't think the defense um and, and we had this conversation mark uh, I had mentioned to you that I, I really thought that uh, Minnesota and, and Philly, Philly in particular, was a litmus test for this defense. And I, I think I gave them a passing grade against Philly, but that's mainly because of the turnovers. <laughs> um, like that was like a C plus effort um, in, in the way they, they went out and, and played. But um, you may mess around and see these guys again in the playoffs. And, and for the regular season, Dallas, San Francisco, uh, you may be in a situation where your defense isn't able to keep these guys under 20 points. Um, and, and you're going to be forced to score more than your average. Um, you're averaging close to like 17 points per game. I know it's been increased ever since um, the Philly game where you scored over 30. And obviously just last week we scored 23, but, but ultimately the point is, um, you know, that offense is, is uh, Jekyll and Hyde, the way they're performing. And, and as we transition to like the playmakers, Terry McLaurin, um look he's different and, and taylor's <laughs> yes. given him that opportunity to to showcase why he's different and why he's elevated uh this offense in spurts like he's a he's a receiver he's gonna you know do what he can do but he's showing why he can elevate this offense uh just if, talk about what you see in taylor i mean excuse me in terry and, and how he's been able to uh impact or or create that impact for this offense uh when given the opportunities yeah i think there's um there's a different kind of aura almost about Terry McLaurin this year. Um, I think we've discussed it a few times on Twitter. Um, he has a little bit more of that kind of mentality of, I am actually good. I'm, I'm that guy. I can go and make these plays. And you see him kind yes. of 
chatting with DBs a little bit more. And um, mm-hmm. you didn't see that in years gone by. You saw him be the kind of humble guy. I'll go make the play and then let's get back to the huddle and keep working hard. And, and this time he's joined with guys a little bit more and he's being like, yeah, you, you can't guard me. And, and you, there was the Eagles game. Um, don't put the safety picked, on me. Yeah, don't uh-huh. put a safety on me. And and that kind of thing like that, that's showing me, to me, that's showing there's a, a little bit of a mentality shift that he's starting to understand he he obviously knew he was good beforehand, but he's starting to understand just how good he is and coming out of the shell. Yeah, and how hard that is for defenses to stop if he plays with that kind of "I'm the guy, I'm going to go make the play, and they're not going to stop me." Um, when he plays with that mentality, he he he, you know, he proves that he is the guy and he can do that. So um, it's exciting to watch. It's fun to watch. Um, but in terms of him as a player, like he's a very good route runner. He's obviously got a fantastic speed. Um, his hands, I, I don't know how he manages to catch every ball with his, the, the way he does his hands, but body um, catching everything, but don't drop yeah. nothing. Uh, it's, it's so weird, <laughs> but you know, he, he goes up and makes those plays somehow. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, he's obviously Taylor Heineke has a huge trust in him and, and yeah. the way he's playing, why wouldn't you? Um, so, and the, the numbers from, you know, when Carson Wentz was in compared to when Taylor Heineke was in, it, it's night and day. And, and the, the the flip side of that is you can look at how Curtis Samuel's numbers have dropped off. And obviously John Dotson's missed some time. So his numbers Three targets off. since he's been back, John Dotson. So, exactly. I was just talking about that this morning. So it's clear that, you know, Taylor has a preference for Terry McLaurin and, and, you know, that's fine. McLaurin's the number one guy. Um, but he's, he's making, he's starting, he's starting to take over games. And I, I think Scott Turner's starting to get, you know, okay, he's going to go to Terry. So let's run things just for Terry. And then the, there was the whole thing about slants last, last mm-hmm. week that um, I think Pete Haley kept asking about slants. And I said, tweeted out during the game, um, against Philly or was it against the Philly? I think so. Where it was just, just keep running Terry McLaurin on slants because they can't stop him. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, it's it, the, the underneath stuff as well as the ability to go deep is, is and is great. And with, with Wentz, it was more, they were using him as a deeper threat. And, and obviously he has, he can offer a lot as a deeper threat. And when he's getting extra attention from, from defenses, that opens things up for a lot of other receivers, which is probably why we saw Samuel be so effective. But when, when Heineke is going to default to McLaurin, um, having him run a little bit more of a diverse tree route tree and, and letting him work underneath a little bit more um, is beneficial because it, it lets, it lets McLaurin get those five, six, seven yard catches and, and, and pick up yards after the catch and, and, and turn his, you know, three catch 60 yard game into a, seven or eight catch 115 yard game. Um, so uh, I, I think it's beneficial to the offense to get him the ball. Obviously that, that, that goes without saying, but um, letting him be, have more of an impact than just being the deeper guy. Um, I think has been the biggest turnaround um, obviously since Taylor's come in and, and just decided he's going to, to Terry. Hey, look, you, you, you heard about the shirt that he just, he just made with his, with his team effort, Terry down there somewhere, man. Um, look, I, let's go ahead and just quickly touch on this Falcons thing. Cause, uh, I, at the end of the day, we kind of know what both teams are. Uh, Washington is going up against a, 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 a Falcons offense who is now lost Cal Pitts for the season. So there is no Cal Pitts in this game. However, um, their number one 
thing every week is trying to establish the ground game. And um, Atlanta has the horses to do it, whether it's from Mariota or just the actual uh, stable in the backfield. Um, and then you have uh, some offsets. I, I I do love Drake London. I don't know how he's going to play without Kyle Pitts. I'm not too sure, but I guess we'll we'll, we'll find out uh, this upcoming Sunday in person. But but what are some of your keys that's off the top of your head that you think is going to be important? Obviously, the ground game is going to be a part of that. But uh, where's your where's your head at with this game? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that um, how they defend the run and obviously Mariota being a, a threat to run as well. Um, and, and and having to figure the the threat of the read option out and typically they they've done that with a, just a basic scrape exchange and um and and that's worked for them for the most part but it'll be interesting to see if that's what they stick with or if they commit extra defenders to the box and and try to force Mariota to to throw the ball um that's going to be interesting I, I think I'll be really intrigued to see who defends drake london whether they whether they just let their guys play sides um like they have done for most of the season or whether like they find the trend the last few weeks where they've picked their receivers and and moved saint juice and and fuller to follow those guys and sometimes they still play zone when they switch sides but they're still on the side of the receiver that they they want the, the the matchup that they want and so it'll be interesting i think london would be a really good test for for saint juice um, I, I think St. Juice obviously has the size and the quickness to match up. Um, and St. Juice can match those, the, the kind of jump balls, the, the ball skills that, that London has. Um, so that I think would be a real fun matchup just to watch from a, from a film perspective. But, um, I, I think Kendall Fuller would probably struggle a little bit with that. Um, but you might want to trust the kind of more reliable Kendall Fuller, who's been fantastic the last few weeks. Um, and, if you're going to kind of, if without the threat of Kyle Pitts, maybe you kind of rotate your coverage over to London. And, and, and at that point, if you're kind of bracketing him, Kendall Fuller might be the guy that you prefer to go with. Um, so that I think is the other matchup that I'm, I'm looking out for on defense. Yeah, man, Drake, Drake London and whoever Washington puts up against them is, is like, I, I just, I'm just a fan, man. I, ever since I, I didn't heard the, the disrespect on Twitter after I didn't watch this game, I, I didn't agree with a lot of things people said, I, I've been rooting for him ever since. Um, and, and the numbers ain't going to show too much in terms of statistical this year, but um, still still an impactful presence. So we'll kind of see how that thing monitors. Um, Arthur Smith is, I mean, obviously from that 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 tree of uh, Tennessee and um, Vrabel. So uh, you kind of understand, like, he, he has that. Um, I don't care what you're doing. We know what we're doing. We have an identity. Um, and, and I think for Washington – um, those matchups are important, as you said. Um, and, and I think for Washington, uh, offensively is, is going to forever be kind of up there, like as my priority. Um, I love what, what Turner is doing. And, and I don't want to rehash the conversation we had earlier, but uh, are you able, I, I would just say, and, and, and see what I'm looking into, are you able to get yourself back to those third and manageables? um like the third and threes third and twos i'm not necessarily saying every single third down but how effective are you on those first and second downs um and are you able to start out the gate and and not necessarily um have these one or two off drives where where everything looks good but are you able to start out the gate being efficient and we're not saying i don't think anybody is saying 
you need to put up 40 points a game. Like, I think people kind of get it stuck in their head that people are asking because they're criticizing the offense, they're asking them to be perfect. You don't have to, you don't have to do that, but you can still find a way to be efficient, um, put up points in those drives that you are, you are taking a lot of clock up off, uh, uh, off the game, but you can find a way to put up points and, and, and make sure that your, your defense has a lead or they're still within the game and they're not down a touchdown, 10 points. Uh, maybe they're, they're tied or maybe they're up three or maybe they're up seven and it, it continues to increase as the game goes along. Um, and I think that's my main thing. Like I've completely, um, turn the corner on the defense in a good way. Uh, I do have faith in defense now. Like just watching them play. Uh, last time we talked, Mark, um, one of, or one of the times we talked, I don't know. My major concerns, um, as the weeks went on, like I've seen them eliminate like some of their issues on a week to week basis. Like some of the current concerns I had one week wasn't there the next week. Like, all right, you did better. Like, and and that has continued to be the case over the se- as as the course of the season went along. So like. I'm slowly letting my guard down and being vulnerable <laughs> to that defensive side of the football. So I say all that to say, like, it really comes down to the offense for me. Just understanding that if you can put up some more points and, and be more efficient in, in critical uh, points of the game, critical situations, um, I, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Atlanta because Atlanta's still going to find a way to stay in this game. Like, they don't really get blown out. They don't really have those those type of moments where they're just not on it. They're going to find a way to stay in this game, Mark. Yeah, I think I'd just like to see that offense be maybe a little bit more explosive um, to help them out a little bit because it, the point I made earlier, it's, it's very hard to sustain those those drives consistently over a game without having a, a holding call that backs you up or um, without having a, you know, a negative run or, you know, an incomplete pass and you're in third and long. You know, it, it's very hard to completely sustain those drives where you're constantly ahead of the chain. So, being able to have one or two quick drives a game where you hit a, a 30 yard play or a 40 yard play and you, you're, you pick up a big chunk and, and an explosive play and that gets you down the field and, and it gets you in scoring position quickly. Then being able to have just a few more of those explosive plays and, and, and it helps cut out the need to be so sustainable with the, with the runs and the, the, it gives you a little bit more flexibility, a little bit more leeway that, if you have a penalty, it's not the end of the world. If you have a, a negative run, you're not behind the chains and it's not third and 10 and you're not getting knocked off the field three and out every time. So, um, yeah, ha- having a few more of those explosive plays hit down the field, I think, would help them out uh, significantly. Uh, last thing, uh, Mark, because I think this is important too, um, has the offense of line I- – I think the I think the short answer is yes, but I, I want to like see like how much like percentage do you give this or that but uh, has the offensive line improved uh in your opinion in terms of whether it's uh pass protection or uh just actually in the run game as well or is this a situation where uh as for the pass game taylor heineke has just been able to manipulate the pocket a little bit better uh but you're still seeing some of the the gaffes from uh left to right your your tackles guard center uh and, and on the other side tackles guard like how, what what is your opinion on on that has has it gotten better or is this like a case of more of the quarterback just being a better person uh, back there in the pocket yeah it's a little bit of both i, I think um certain guys have gotten better obviously uh turner since he's come back in at right guard has has improved uh significantly from where he was at the start of the year at least um i i wouldn't say he's you know playing at an all pro level but he's still playing 
he he's not playing at a you know cuttable retirement level that he was at the start of the year. So um, that that has helped um, having being able to you know be solid with the five that they've got at the start of the year. They just kept having injuries and different guys rotating in and out. Being able to have the the consistent five and, and granted you know Cosme and Lucas have kind of been rotating in and out at right tackle, but uh, the other four have been consistent. Um, has helped them improve, but you are certainly right. Having Taylor Heineke in there has helped, and, and Heineke having a little bit more mobility, but also a little bit more um, awareness in the pocket to okay. help his his guys out. You know, Carson Wentz would get to the top of his drop, and then as soon as he felt pressure, he would drift backwards, and then the tackles had no chance to to run guys by him. They just didn't have the angle to do that. So. Um, Heineke's been more willing to step up in the pocket and um, and find those little rushing lanes where he can he can step up and avoid a guy, let his blocker recover and, and get back on track. So um, I think the quarterback play has has helped them out a lot as well. Mark, um, who do you got winning, man? Is this a is this a Washington dub or is this a, a game where you're looking at uh, Atlanta having a a chance to to take this one uh, on the road? I think it has to be a Washington win because they have the the way they've been playing lately, the the confidence they'll be playing with. Um, you know, obviously, the, I think the big threat was them coming off that Eagles game and, and laying an egg last week against the the one win Texans, and they managed to put away the Texans pretty convincingly. So, um, you'd hope that that attitude would continue across to this week, and the Falcons should be a very winnable game. And obviously the Falcons will be saying the same thing about Washington, but yeah. it's one of those games where if you want to be a serious playoff contender, you you need to be winning this type of game. And, um, and I, I, for now, I'm, I'm believing in Washington's ability to, to, to win that game and, and, and start to put some pressure on the rest of the, the NFC. Sounds good, man. Let the people know what uh, what's what's been up on on the Substack lately, man, so they can go ahead and uh, know to to check it out and, and peep your peep your work. Yeah, so um, my Substack is uh, markfullick.substack.com, and then it's all the breakdowns that I do. I, I, the most recent one I did was on Logan Thomas having a, a real nice game and, and looking back to um, somewhat close to his best. Um, and, and I usually do three or four a week after uh, looking back at the games um, and. Um, Substack's also brought out some new features with a, a chat function and stuff like that. So I've been doing some stuff during games and um, and chatting with fans and, and posting some notes as I as I watch the the All Twenty Two back. So um, people can be involved in in all of that when when they subscribe. Absolutely, there it is, uh, Mark Bullock. Uh, appreciate you joining me. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe, big dog. Talk to you next time. Thanks. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.